0: It's time for the No Shot Clock podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, y'all. We play play team we My yeah. really stepped up. Let's Let's I'm just happy we got win. Now here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Hey, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 101. Uh, we passed the century mark last week, Mike, and uh, this has been a... We got Mike back full basketball this this week, finally. Well, He's, I don't know if I'm...
1: You have half of me back now. <laughs> My brain has been ruined. He might be week. on fumes <laughs> yeah.
0: for the podcast after the week of double duty of state football championships and Thanksgiving tournaments, but... Yeah, it's uh, one week is in the books and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things from that week and uh, including the questions from uh, some listeners and And uh, Mike looks like we're going to do that and then we'll do our get back to our regular routine of our two takes and we picked out some storylines from the Thanksgiving week, three developed, developing storylines That occurred over the course of the Thanksgiving tournament play. And then we'll preview a little bit of uh, this coming week, which also includes the Chicago League Classic, which tips off Friday and Saturday in Chicago. So... What do you think? You, 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 can you grind through this one, Mike?
1: Yeah, we're going to do it. I realize now that episode 101 and then we'll have 102, we sound like high school classroom numbers now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> anyway, um, let's hit this mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent questions. We had got a good amount because I, I did not even like put the call out until earlier this morning. Um, so I, I appreciate everybody getting back to me quickly. Um, first up is Brandon Harrell, um, who I, I think he might be a rookie. Uh, says, why is Ever- Everett Stubblefield, the third of Willowbrook, constantly overlooked and doesn't receive as much attention as some of the other top players in the area? Um, first off, uh, Everett Stubblefield was on my top 50 players of the... Um year in the preview which there are some division one players that did not crack that some star freshmen and sophomores that did not I've always been a pretty big um I've always been pretty impressed by Stubblefield whenever I've seen him I know he also had a great football season for Willowbrook I know we did seem to talk about him a little bit more the end of sophomore year because Willowbrook was pretty darn good and then last year you know they weren't quite as good so we didn't get as much of him and I, I remember I texted Joe a couple maybe a month ago asking how Everett double field summer went because I hadn't heard much about his recruiting how, you know, how was it was
0: that? it was it was up and down you know and he I wouldn't say he's been forgotten I wouldn't say he's been hyped either so uh you know I mean it's a it's a, gonna be a big senior year for him I think he averaged 17 18 a game last year maybe 20 so yeah I mean he, he's definitely warrants some attention and I think. You know, I think it's coming.
1: So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Willowbrook throughout the season. Uh, Next up, Brady Roberts. Brady says it has been fun watching Glenbrook South's Dom Martinelli the past few years. For those that did not know him until the other night, it is obvious now that he is a clear player of the year candidate after dropping 51 points on Saturday. That was against Buffalo Grove, by the way, uh, which is a good team. He is averaging over 30 points per game through four games. The fact that Dom is a player who can take over a game is nothing new. My question, how high is Dom's ceiling, and where might he end up? Is there any chance he could stay in-state?
0: I mean, he, right. this has been an ongoing uh, debate of, of a player who has been so ultra-productive and does everything you want a player to do but doesn't pass the, the college eye test. And, you know, that, that, that remained over the course of the summer. It, it's not as if he didn't have eyes on him. I mean, there were, there, he was evaluated, and he, he played for, you know, a, a solid AU program. He had the June to play with his high school team in front of college coaches uh, this year as opposed to past years where college coaches couldn't watch, you know, high school action the summer so he he was evaluated he had an opportunity and he did pick up some division two interest gannon university offered him uh he's had some other interests from st edwards down in texas uh saginaw valley state up in michigan you know st thomas up in minnesota so th- it's been small college programs that have been the most involved with with them and yeah i mean he's he had a great week, and uh, he, he's out to prove some people wrong, and, uh, you know, good luck to him to do that, because, boy, what a terrific high school basketball player.
1: So you don't think Don Martinelli is going to pull a Max Struis and be on the Bulls in seven
0: years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Max grew to about six 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 seven and was pretty athletic, but, uh, you know, Dom's also a terrific student academically, so... You know, that could open some doors for him. I know Brown was uh, out of the Ivy League, was, you know, showing some interest at one point, maybe another team in the Ivy League. So, you know, he's got a ton going for him. And uh, he's an easy player to pull for.
1: He's six four, right? You know, they say yeah, 6'4", six, 6'4
0: six, and a half. Yeah.
1: Okay. So not even – that's. I mean, I was kind of thinking, like, I was going hard for my comps. And the best I could come up with was maybe Evan Boudreau. Um as someone who not a lot of people thought was going to be able to play big time, wound up doing it, but he's six, seven, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, plus Boudreau was always, I mean, early in his career, he's a top 10 prospect in the class. He ended up being a top 20 type. He was always in there. I mean, Dom's never been, he's a unique player. I mean, he gets so much done and you have to kind of appreciate all the intangibles that he brings. But I mean, this week, Mike, I mean, you know the the question was he put up over 30 a game he put up over 35 a game 35.2 points a game and and, and I write about this in a piece that I have coming out but and including the 51 points which was a record since 1965 how about this though he made 44 consecutive free throws and and for the week in four games shot 64 he was sixty of sixty-four from the line. He just has an uncanny way of using his body around the basket, despite not being, you know, six-seven, six-eight. Getting to the line, he competes. Uh, as I'll just repeat myself. There's just a ton of uh, a ton to like about Dom as a basketball player.
1: You know who his. I came Late last year, this kind of hit my brain while I was watching him. Do you know who he reminds me of in the post with the way he plays? And he's also the same height. This is kind of strange, but Tim Flowers. <laughs> wow. You know, they were both six. Tim Flowers was just 6'4". 6'4
0: and a half, yeah. Yeah,
1: he just knew how to play down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't hit his free throws with the regularity that Tom Martinelli does. But I think everybody always thought Tim Flowers was a big man. But he he wasn't, you know.
0: Right. He, he just he, he was a big man, yes. but he was just uh, not your prototype. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dom. The biggest thing with Dom is again we keep going. You know, he continuing to show the developing perimeter school skills and consistently knocking down. I mean, he shot it consistently. Now it's more about volume and and can he do that at a higher level? And uh, I don't know what his three point numbers were, how many he took or attempted, and things like that. But you know, it's, you know, at his size and his athleticism is, is he's going to have to make that move and, and be a productive perimeter player. And uh, he's just one of those guys that I think just continues to overachieve and and all the credit goes to him for doing that.
1: Yeah, we'll see. All the. I don't really I'm not too into the college stuff. I'm really excited about watching him this year and seeing what he can do. Um Brady. Kind of finishes up here. Random question. Can you explain the picture on the cover for the No Shot Clock podcast? I figured out the old one was the Westerora scoreboard, but for the life of me, I know nothing about this picture. Some insight would be greatly appreciated. I am assuming that Brady is talking about that black and white picture of the guy with the scoreboard that I use. That is basically when I... I don't know how many people care about this, but I figure I'll explain it. Um, Basically... When this podcast started, I didn't have any institutional support from the Sun-Times. And I don't know anything about Photoshop or doing that. I was just trying to find something with a scoreboard with a with or without a shot clock on it um, that it would have something to do. And the Sun-Times has like a photo, a file photo system with a bunch of old photos and new photos, and all the photos in there. And so I just kind of looked through there. That's where I found the West Aurora one. And then I found this one. Um, and then later a couple of years ago we got that graphic design, the the blue and red one when the Times kind of got on board with the podcast. That doesn't look right in the main spot though. it just doesn't work. So I went back to that black and white guy and yeah, that's that's it. I don't have any idea who he is. I don't have any idea where it is from. There's no information with the photo. so I know.
0: I yeah, like that, that photo.
1: photo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah, so.
0: And in fact, if we should, if we were smart enough, we should have came up with this elaborate, creative story about the guy and yeah. just completely fabricate it and be yeah. fictitious. But
1: that, that is uh, actually the man who decided there would never be a shot clock in Illinois yes. high school basketball. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Next up, uh, Nick Dramala. Another rookie, I think, here. He says, how, so- oh, hey. how serious of a contender for player of the year is Dominic Martinelli, and how good can this Titans team be with him as the leader?
0: It, it, it's definitely the, the latter part of that question. He, he's, he was obviously a big part last year, averaged 23 points a game, but they graduated, I believe, four starters. So... It's it's there's gonna be a lot on Martinelli's shoulders this year and for them to compete, obviously Evanston's a team to beat in that Central Suburban League South. Uh, he's gonna have to carry a bigger even a bigger load, which obviously is with thirty-five points a game through a week. I mean, I, I think that success, I think Mike would agree. That success, that team success would, would dictate and play a large part in elevating Don Martinelli into player of the year, you know, legitimacy. Because clearly the numbers are going to be there. Uh, player of the year type of numbers. Heck, you you know, you could argue he had, quote-unquote, player of the year numbers, type numbers last year. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot will hinge on Glenbrook South's, you know, run over the next three, four months.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, it'll depend a little bit on how the other candidates do as well. And, you know, he needs – you know, looking at their schedule and is there really going to be an opportunity? I mean, he's going to be at Wheeling. Notre Dame is there. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, he you know, again nitpicking every single potential way to, to climb himself into that. Yes, you have a unbelievable numbers and performance. You lead Glenbrook South to a Wheeling Hardwood Classic title. You carry Glenbrook South past Evanston. Uh and you know, and you beat evanston and and you're 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 putting up thirty a night, or you know I, I don't want to put certain characteristics or or benchmarks that have to be met, but you know the, you know those those guys that we talked about before, Adam Miller and DJ Stewart, they just have such this a high profile, but b, this platform, you know, uh, to play in high stakes games against the best teams and the best players. And that's not the, the be-all end-all, but it, it goes a long way, obviously. And, and um, you know, Glenbrook South's just going to have to have pretty much a special season with Martinelli leading the way.
1: And, I mean, I don't know if, what people really think our player of the year, like, thing is. We don't have any, like, set thing in mind before the season starts. We kind of just let things play out and see how it's going to go. I mean, we have no idea. You know who's gonna be hinting? We had no idea Alonzo Verge was gonna get it. I remember going back, I remember the year DeAndre Thomas won it. I mean, it we kind of just you got to see what happens. I mean, the year's gonna have a, a crazy flow for sure. And if Martinelli's in that spot late February, then it's really gonna start heating up. Um, next up is Marty Machazic, old uh, Daily Herald buddy. He uh, congrats, congratulations to Joe and I on hitting the century mark. And then he gets into his questions here. First up, regarding Adam Miller's commitment to Illinois, in your guy's opinion, how firm is it since he did not sign a letter of intent yet? I know schools will keep trying to sway him their direction until he does, and I hope he stays with it. Um, One thing I'll also kind of add to Marty's, not only did did Adam Miller not sign a letter of intent, he waited to announce his commitment until he could not sign the letter of intent. He waited until the early signing period was over um, because he I think that clearly signals that he did not want to sign. Um, Joe, do you want to take it from there?
0: Yeah, I I still believe it's a firm commitment. As firm as a verbal commitment can be. You know, it is a a little different when you have a ceremony with the pomp and circumstance that you have a day after the signing period. It's just a little bit odd. Um, But... I, you know, I, I went on a couple of champagne radio sh- sh- shows, and some were, you know, not freaking out, but you know, just you know, ha- being leery of it all. And I, and I get it, but I think it's firm. I, I I think I just think it's a situation, as I said on the on these radio shows, that all the power to the player here and the kid who didn't really need to sign. You know, Illinois is going to be there. They're not going anywhere. And I'm not, this isn't to say, oh, well, you can just leave Illinois at the altar then. No, I I just mean in college basketball today, there is everything is so fluid with how seasons shake out and how rosters are made up and who's staying and who's leaving on a college roster and including coaching staffs. So if you have the potential to wait it out and kind of see, I don't, you know, I, I know people are going to be disagreeing with this with me, but I don't necessarily think that's so bad. You know, if it's let's say Duke, and they're in the situation of okay, I'm not signing with Duke, I'm committing, and yeah, you know, then you're in a different situation. They, they they don't they're not going to wait around for you. So, I mean, if DJ Stewart told Duke, hey, I'm going to commit. Hold off. That that's just that's not going to fly. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work, and it's not going to be there for him. So, uh, it's just different circumstances for every single recruitment and, and player. And I don't necessarily think anything's wrong with what Adam Miller did, uh, but I also think it, it's pretty firm that he's going. I think a lot will depend on how this Illinois season shakes out. Uh, what happens maybe with Iodasumu at the end of the year, whether he goes pro or not. So, there's just some things that you know that, that will play into it.
1: And then Marty's got a, a final question here. Who are some of the big school teams outside of the Chicago area to keep an eye on this year? Uh, that's something I usually address a bit in the 20 questions thing, but you know, for a, I had so much like Collinsville, you know? Is yeah. I mean, that's,
0: that's Collinsville. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you look, that's a good question because it, I, I think it's pretty easy to say this year that we don't have the big power. We don't have the, you know, those Belleville Altoff teams with Jordan Goodwin. We don't have the Belleville West teams with EJ Liddell. Uh, we don't have this pumped up Rockford team of Rockford East or Rockford Auburn that we've seen in the past. Uh, Rockford East, obviously, last year. You know, but there are, you know, Collinsville, uh, the, the, Rayshon Taylor is a terrific guard. He's going to SIUE, averaged 21, 22 a game last year. Uh, they've got some Cadrian uh, Jones, another big kid. They've got some players, and they're probably the best team down south. They play Simeon um, at the um, Bank of a Fallon shootout, so that'll obviously be a big test for them. Uh, you know, Danville, I think, uh, with Tevin Smith and uh, Nathaniel Hoskins back, Robert Stroud's back. They got three key players back from that team last year. Uh, Rock Island's going to be pretty good. They just won their own tournament uh, uh, over the in the Quad Cities last uh, week. Jordan Rice, a terrific little guard for them. Uh, you know, Peoria Manuel made it to Peoria last year in 3A. They've got you know, a whole bunch of players back, you know, three, four, five key players back from that team. So there's not, you know, yeah, a whole they, they lot of... they all seem
1: to be kind of 3A. Like, Lanfear's got some good young players. Peoria and Notre Dame had a lot back, I think. But, yeah, it, it's all 3A, basically. Right. Uh, East St. Louis... Got, yeah,
0: like, I mean they've got yeah, Armand Williams, a yeah. six seven big kid. Uh Jashawn Anderson, a five seven little kid. Uh, so those two guys are, are pretty dynamic players for East St. Louis. They lost a they lost a ton though. I mean, um, you lose oh Mike's favorite kid, uh oh, Terrence yeah. Hart. Oh
1: yes. <laughs> oh I like just watching yeah, anyway. Um all right, let's move on. I was about to say something about football, but for goodness sakes, let's not talk about football ever again. Um, next up, Dylan Keenan, another rookie, I think. A lot of rookies. This might be the most rookies we've had in a uh, mailbag. Um, Dylan says, Barrington started this year off 4-0. and Do they have enough talent to keep this up? I'm going to go out on a limb, Joe, and say they do not have enough talent to remain undefeated. However.
0: No. I mean, they were a 19-win team last year. Uh, lost two three-year starters that – are, are tough to replace but they had two key starters back you know Aaron uh, Sarkar is a double double figure scorer last year he bat he's back uh Connor Keenan another player back so uh, they got a sophomore big kid that they're developing I, You know, I still don't think you know I it would be interesting that in that league though Mike is that friend and Schaumburg while still very good and Schaumburg's off to a good great start they've come back to the pack a little bit, so it's yeah. going to allow, you know, a team like Barrington maybe to, to, to sneak up on some people. And I I don't know. I, I, I can't predict how many games we're going to win, but I mean, I think they'll be up in the upper teens again.
1: Yeah, that's one of the ones um, Barrington, um, they always send me the preseason info, and they're usually – painfully honest, I guess is the way to put it. And this year they were up. They were, they thought they were going to be pretty good. Um, And that's not, you know, they don't blow a lot of smoke, uh, Jason Tucker, when I get that stuff. So, yeah, I I think they knew this was going to be a, they had a a good group here. We knew they had a lot back. I think four guys for sure, um, like this junior, Liam Kibbe, I thought was supposed to be pretty good. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. It'll be fun maybe to see a a few other teams, um, you know, just get to that above average level in that league. That would be cool.
0: Yeah, right now there's five unbeaten teams right now in the mid-suburban league, so that's uh, that's good for them.
1: Alright, two takes. The first two takes of the season, Joe. You want to start it off?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's my annual... Usually I gotta pipe Mike down a little bit after Thanksgiving. He's all revved up. and
1: Now you have to I, uh, take down the dumb Martinelli fans. <laughs> <It's your> only...
0: <laughs> but no, I mean, it's my whole annual... Just don't take too much stock into Thanksgiving Uh, that week. I I pointed this out a number of times. It's not like college, where especially now in college basketball, you have like eight thousand weeks to prepare and get ready, and uh, you've got scrimmages, closed scrimmages with other schools. To me, it's a lot of these schools. They've had two weeks of practice. Some of them dealing with football guys out, obviously in some of the cases that you know some of these teams, and then you're jumping right into games. There's no exhibition season. There's no preseason games. There's no live scrimmages with other teams. So it can be rocky that first week. And I I was looking back last year and seeing some of the teams, Stevenson lost to Hersey in the season opener, I think. You know, and obviously Stevenson, I think they lost, what, four games the rest of the year, three games the rest of the year, Uh, won a sectional title, finished in the rankings, got to the Super and lost. Uh, you know, schaumburg last year started two and two and came back and had a terrific year and, and won a regional title. Deerfield started 0 and four. Uh, I think they went and ran 19 20 games. Uh, Fremd was two and two, so there's a lot of teams. And, and the other side of things, you know, um, uh, like Riverside Brookfield, remember if you remember a year ago, they were the talk coming out of Thanksgiving and they still put together a great year. I mean, they don't get me wrong, but you know they went and went four and zero with some beating some ranked teams and Thanksgiving tournament play, and then lost some December games to you know Richards, uh, Lions, and Farragut. So it, it's just something that you need to take into consideration at this point, <laughs> at this early, early point in the season of of getting too crazy about a start or or that one loss that you know just jumps out at you. Oh, it or even uh, the the margin of victory sometimes people get a little, you know, I, I know it's convincing wins sometimes, but uh, just got to take it all in here and, and let it play out because there's going to be a lot that changes between now and Christmas.
1: No doubt about it. One of those teams you might want to not get too down on is my first take, and it's Westinghouse. I had them in the preseason rankings. I've, everybody thought they were going to be decent this year. I think I probably had them higher higher than most. They opened the season with an eight-point loss at Bennett, you know that didn't look super great that night. Bennett doesn't have a ton back. Then the second night of the season, they lost at Fenwick. I was at that game. They lost by 13. Then they, you know, wrapped up the week with a win over Hope Academy. So they're one and two now. I would, um, I was talking to Ray Field, the Westinghouse coach, and I'm pretty sure no coach should ever schedule their first two games of the season to be at Bennett and at Fenwick. That's just – that's no way to start the season. You know, a lot of these teams are playing horrible teams like Universal or whatever, but that's a little too far. I guess the schedule got changed around or something. Rafi Fields was saying that he didn't think the Bennett game was going to be at Bennett at least. He thought it would be at Fenwick. But either way, uh, I watched the Fenwick game, and I was actually – you know, considering I'm someone who had Westinghouse ranked, I was impressed with them, I think – they might wind up by the end of the year, maybe by Christmas, being even a little better than I expected them to be. I, I was really am- – Devin Davis is who we thought he was. You know, He scored 33 in that game. There were times when he just couldn't be stopped. If anything, they kind of might need to be getting him the ball more. Um, they have a bunch of other guys back from last year, but a sophomore, you know, really caught my eye. His name's Martel Webb, 6'5", 6'6", the big man they need. He's He adds an awful lot to that team. Was battling foul trouble against Fenwick. I, that'll probably keep going most of the year. But what I liked about Westinghouse is this isn't the Westinghouse teams of the last few years. This isn't Io's team or whatever. These kids are gritty. Um, they're a little bit more like the kind of the old Westinghouse teams and they fight they Fenwick should have pulled away in that game four or five times you know Bryce Hopkins scored 44 was just you know killing them right and left but they would not go away every time you thought Fenwick was pulling away Westinghouse would drag themselves back into the game you know and they they really showed me a lot do not give up on this team i think they're going to really make maybe a little bit more noise than i thought this season
0: yeah, I think Ryan Brown is an unheralded guy that kind of sets the tone uh, in some of the things you're talking about, that grit and toughness. Great defensive player, 6'1", senior, averaged 11-12 a game last year. And Martell Webb is an intriguing 6'6", sophomore. So, yeah, uh, that dovetails into my my next take, and that that is Bennett. Uh, you know, you mentioned not much back. Bennett, there wasn't a player in that game that had ever started a varsity basketball game. So, Colin Crothers, they're – that their best player, is out with an injury till December. And, you know, I, I think we've talked about it, Mike, ad nauseum uh, about Bennett. And just it, it, it is a, a, a peculiar <laughs> team that they just continually do what we're talking about them doing, which is win. Yeah. Every single year, twenty-five games, 26, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Doesn't matter to, who's back or who's not back, or who's hurt or who's injured. Or it, it's just—it's become pretty remarkable. And and I, you know, I I just think it comes down to what wins basketball games with with Bennett, and it's more so than than their talent level and all that. It's just so many. Of their program's strongest attributes are so difficult to quantify. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a system that that fits their personnel. Uh, there's discipline. There's defense, and there's a belief in in whatever culture or style that that Bennett has built and what Gene Hydecamp has built there. Uh, Bennett plays. Bennett, th- their players typically embrace what they do. Uh, so I, I just. And now in Bennett's case, there's just there's so much to believe in that works because it's been proven. So I, I just, you know, I, there there is a commitment and accountability in that program that resonates and leads to the success that we're talking about. That overcomes you losing your best player, Colin Truders, a four-year guy, six foot seven, six eight big kid, a potential double double guy for them, and then go out and beat. Westinghouse, and then go out and beat Fenwick, two ranked teams. So we're sitting here at three uh, and zero. And again, it, it they're they're back to playing defense better than they did last year, I think. And I think that's what'll make the make a difference. They make you work. Uh, they make you make extra passes, and, and they make you take tough percentage shots. So it, it's just a team that uh, kind of defies the odds in. in high level success
1: yeah boy I liked what I saw um Jacob Snell he's a d1 football player lineman he's gonna add a lot to this team he's tough he gets a lot done but the real eye opener was senior Jack Prock Oh man, <laughs> he is fun to watch play. He's got a, a just a great three-point shot, but he does kind of a little bit of everything. At one point I looked down and he was cruising in the first half to a possible triple-double with like 14 points and five boards and like four steals. Uh, Jack Proc is going to be a Pontiac legend. Mark it down now. The crowd of Pontiac is going to love watching him play. I loved what I saw of Jack Proc. I'd never heard of him before. He's There's the Michael O'Brien
0: yeah. Thanksgiving hyperbole. Oh, yeah. Coming Jack Prock you. is your man. Yes.
1: <laughs> I don't think he scored in the second half, <laughs> but they, <laughs> he did lead him, I think in two of the three games though, Jack Proc can play. He's going to be the D2 NAIA schools out there. You might want to get on uh, Jack Proc real quick, but what really kind of, okay. The weirdest part about Bennett, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Joe. I have not. The The roster for the Fenwick Thanksgiving tournament uh, for Bennett, there are 22 players on Bennett's team <laughs> and they're all seniors and juniors. D- did with this like pre cuts? <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, you can't have twenty two guys in the team, right?
0: I mean, yeah, you can. You can have as many as you want as long as you got enough uniforms. I I uh, think I had a, a a Bennett was battling for the top most player roster one year with Batavia. They both had just this enormous amount of record-breaking number of players. I can't remember what year. If it was two years ago or three, anyway.
1: Do they have that many jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Boy, Joliet did not have 22 jerseys when my brother was on the team, that's for sure. Whoever was on the end of the bench, I know my brother and Robbie Kaskoski, um, the coach's kid, I think only one of them could wear a jersey. The other one would just have to keep his warm-ups on the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I am gonna ask. So they had
0: jerseys or do they just have all the extra warm-ups.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. But yeah, twenty-two guys. I don't know. I'll we'll have to count at Pontiac, but um but yeah, Jack Prock, he was my guy. All right. Next up, um this is not a very exciting take, I guess, but I think it's important and needs to be covered. Um Bloom, the preseason number one. They went out and they played, like, the preseason number one. They beat Hillcrest, Lunderman, without Marquise Irving. But the Marion Catholic game, uh, Joe was there too. It was, to me, notable because it's a kind of unquantifiable thing, and it's a little different to explain. But you know what a high school basketball preseason number one team looks like in the first two minutes of the game if they are that team. And Bloom was that 100%. They've got – all the kids looked bigger and better. They had that swagger, that confidence. Uh, Dante Maddox Jr., oh, my goodness. I was so shocked by the change in him uh, since March, just athletically and physically and in a lot of ways. He was really impressive. Kristen Schumade, if you read the site and pay attention, you know what he did. A- absolutely amazing triple-double. We knew he was going to add a lot to them. He's adding even more. Uh, we're we're a week into the season, and to me, Bloom seems like even more the number one than they were a week ago, which isn't always the case, that's for sure. Um, hoping to write a little thing, maybe even in tonight's notebook or whatever. Robert Smith was at the, the Simeon coach was at the game, uh, the Marion uh, Bloom game. He agrees, you know, he'd seen Simeon Morgan Park. He said, clearly Bloom is the best team right now. You know, that can always change. Tyrone Slaughter was out there, I think the day before. I haven't Heard what he thought of them, but Bloom, one week in, looks like they at least deserve the number one and, and sort of a, a lived up to the hype. Long way to go.
0: Yeah, I think there's some people in the city that don't agree, but um, and I think they I've heard it. You know, ah, you guys are anointing Bloom and
1: uh, man, whatever. Have you heard that since the games? Uh, I heard that uh, yeah. before. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I you know, but. anybody like what Mike just said I mean they they have experience they know they're good now they still have to go out and prove some things there's no question uh but that's a big that's a big deal what they did uh because people are gunning for them right now you know and they they um they met that early you know that south suburban there's a lot a lot of intensity there in that opening week down in Chicago Heights and and that game was, you, you can't get a better atmosphere for a Thanksgiving tournament. I mean, the place was sold out, completely full, playing your rival, high stakes, Aaron Eulis on the other side. It, it's just a, that was a great high school basketball game. Uh, much, much closer though than the score really was. I know it was 17, but it was, it was, you I know, mean, I think Marion was leading by one going into the fourth quarter.
1: Yep. Yeah. It was but, super uh, close for three quarters. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, I, but what Christian Shoe made has added. I think is exactly what the team needed. You know, he transferred from field East, and you know those four seniors have been together uh, throughout. But then Shoemate here just kind of adds this extra, well, more size and length with the three guards they have. Uh, but this this high level athlete who is playing with a tenacity right now that you kind of been waiting for, and I think the moment he he, he took a hold of that moment. And he's taken a hold of, hopefully, for in Bloom's case, for Bloom's, Bloom's sake, that he's taken a hold of this opportunity to play for a top ranked team and just so much more motivation. So, I, yeah, I, and I, they have depth that didn't quite show in that game, but they, they're, they're going to have depth over the course of the year, too, which I like.
1: Yeah, Dante Maddox keeps telling me that he's got some young kids that can really play, that he wants to work into the rotation. Um, so, we'll see how that goes. Maybe we get to see some of them at Pontiac. Alright, we're gonna hit some storylines now. First up, it's funny how long ago this seems to me. It's been a very busy week, but we're only one week from almost exactly when Joe and I are recording this was Morgan Park for his young at Chicago State. That's gonna be our first storyline or kind of event to look at. First off, I think more important than anything to me was the crowd. Absolutely incredible for an opening night game at Chicago State. The lower bowl was pretty much full. They did not have the behind the baskets, kind of the end zones, those seats down, though. But then there were a ton of people upstairs. I did not expect to see any people upstairs for this. And there was a good – there was maybe a couple hundred people upstairs. It was one of the best crowds I've seen at Chicago State in a long time. So the fans came out. Kudos to Tyron Slaughter and Nick Irvin for making this happen. It was a, a really great kickoff to the season. And also kudos for the free parking. That was – that's key to everybody's enjoyment. There, there was no long line. I'm sure a lot of you guys that listen to this have been stuck in those lines outside Chicago State waiting to pay to park to get free in.
0: parking and a free T-shirt. They handed out.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, free T-shirts they handed out. Uh, oh, I think it was 15 bucks at the door, but we won't. Yeah, I think it was uh, 10 in
1: advance, 15. Well, parking okay. there is like five or 10 usually.
0: Yeah, I uh I I I loved it. I I, I loved it more than I thought I would love it. Um. I just, but the but the the specifics of the matchup, the whole DJ Stewart Adam Miller showdown. I, I hate that that was the first game of the year. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the two teams, it's really cool. Two high profile, high ranked teams meeting and kicking off the season with a bang. I love that. Uh, I think it it did exactly what Tyrone Slaughter said it was going to do, which put a charge into the season, and it did. And people were talking about it. People were pretty pumped. It didn't feel like an opening night of basketball. I believe me, I've been doing this twenty some years. I've never felt that way on the first night of the high school basketball season. It's usually in some completely empty gym on <laughs> uh, opening night, a Monday night, and that this was completely foreign to me. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, it was weird. I, I had a, like you know what you have at Christmas time, you know. And but I. I, I, I you know, maybe Adam Miller and DJ Stewart will collide again in the Public League playoffs, which I think would be cool. Oh, they uh, they could
1: also play in City of Palms. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that was late. I realized that after. Yeah, what which you wrote. would also suck. Yeah. um <laughs> you, you, <laughs> so, Joe, you don't think the Sun Times is going to send us down to Florida? They can, they can send me. <laughs> so yeah,
0: I mean, uh, hats off to the to you know the two teams that went out because he played a. The other thing I was surprised, Mike, with that game was I completely expected it wasn't the cleanest game, but I expected it to be much – just with all – everybody amped up, the the, the the circumstances surrounding the game, the hype surrounding it, and then you throw in the fact it's the first time they're playing a game on the, in the season. I expected it to be really ugly, to be honest. And it, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it was not the cleanest game, but it was much cleaner than I thought
1: yeah definitely it was yeah excellent for a first week game especially the first three quarters there was also this weird thing where there was no high school three-point line um there was just like the college one and then a, a women's one or something um so that was strange and led to a lot of confusion all night it wound up not being a huge issue because adam miller just wasn't hitting from outside otherwise who knows what would have happened with that um I thought, it, it, well, I it did the last three minutes were a mess and I thought everybody got tired in that fourth quarter, you know, first game college court, things got a little, little ragged, but it opened with DJ Stewart came out and total statement. He scored or assisted on Young's first 19 points, finished with 22 points and eight rebounds, was not able to come up with the win, was driving the lane to try and give his team the win at the end. Didn't get the foul call. Uh, Earlier in the game, though, I think maybe early in the third, very early in the third quarter, he got hit in a just a collision. I'm not even sure who it was. It wasn't like anything intentional. But I was after the game. I was talking with him. The size of the cut on his lip. Oh my goodness! I don't think a lot of people. I don't think most people would have continued playing. It was almost an inch wide. Um, it was really bad. I'm not surprised they couldn't get it to stop bleeding. So to continue to go on with that, you know, he, he was a trooper. It was quite a performance from DJ Stewart, but it was, he was outdone by uh, Brandon Weston. 19 points, 11 rebounds, kind of a complete coming-out party for Weston, who sat out after transferring to Morgan Park last year.
0: Yeah, you go Weston, Adam Miller, and Marcus Watson. That That's a pretty dynamic trio. And the Adam Miller we saw on the opening night was not the Adam Miller we'll see the rest of the season. I It wouldn't shock me, Mike, if we sit here in march and we say that the worst game we saw Adam Miller play was opening night because he just did not have a very good game at all. He didn't impact the game uh, in other ways aside from scoring either. so but with that being said, Adam Miller playing uh, that poorly and Morgan Park beating young, yeesh. I mean I, that's uh, that's bad news for Class 3A because when Adam Miller gets going and you add the other you know, and then some of these young guys, Darren Ames had a huge shot for them, a freshman guard. So I, yeah, I, um, they're both state title contenders in their respective classes, and we're gonna be talking a whole lot about them over the next four months.
1: Next up, some teams that surprised. I know yeah, we oh got, life. yeah, we got six of them. We yes. picked out six surprise teams. I guess
0: we should kind of tell what constitutes a surprise. I mean, there's a lot of teams that did kind of pull off surprises, but this. You know, they were unranked, uh, not a lot of people talking about them, and they also went out and picked up some decent wins along the way. And I think uh, the uh, to be able to include Joliet West in this conversation, Mike, after the win total from a year ago kind of has to feel good for you.
1: Oh, it feels great. The amount of people that reached out to me this week about Joliet West's play – I, I, it was. It gets notable. I had coaches, media members, fans. Basically, I think anybody that uh, has my phone number or um, DMs me regularly on Twitter wanted me to know just how good Julia West looked, and, and more than that, kind of the atmosphere around the team and the way they played. I guess they were, you know, they were playing with joy. The crowds were big. You know, it was that kind of old Juliet suffocating defense, turnovers, and you know some fast break points and. Oh, my goodness. They've won four games. We won five last year. Six.
0: Yeah, that's a surprise <laughs> yeah. because of that. Uh, yeah. They did have a lot of players back. There is some expe- you know, experience. You know, I, Nothing flowed last year with that team. It was just kind of a, I don't know, it's just a, a, a jagged season that ended a, with, with so, the five wins. Something but, was wrong. Jeremy Krieger is yeah. the
1: new coach, and so far, so good.
0: Yeah, and they and they got a lot of players. I mean, they, they are, you know, Jameer Hill, the guard, Trent Howland, a big-bodied, you know, Jade Lee, the shooter. they they got some depth. I, it's going to be a – got a real shot of being a 20-win team.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I thought they'd get in the rankings at some point this year. I did not expect it to be this week, and it didn't have to be, but I, it was the margin of victories. I know it's early, but a 25-point. Point win over Lincoln Way East, even missing some players. That's a team that stylistically, you know, we've had some issues with. Joliet West has had some issues with Bowling Brook. Well documented the issues some of those great teams have had, and then a twenty point win against Brother Rice. Which yeah, they're down this year, but that's still Brother Rice, and they've got some players. And Bobby Fraser knows what he's doing. Right. So it, it was it was really encouraging. And all those games were at home too for Julie West. So I'm not going to get too excited. I don't even need, <laughs> need Joe's warning, but um. It was a very nice start for them. Uh, second one, Saint Rita.
0: I think that's my biggest surprise. Just by you know winning a pretty quality Thanksgiving tournament, you know Riverside Brookfield's pretty good with you know RB and Kenwood and Oak Park and uh, Morton. So I mean Saint Rita and with the turnover they've had, you know Gary DeCesar obviously is gone, uh, and Roshan Russell is in as, as the coach, and then really they rode two guys. Uh, junior guard Christian Henry, and, and big man Connor six 6'8", senior big. You know, both of those guys were all tournaments and all tournament performers. And them coming out of their 4-0 is – that's definitely my biggest surprise for the weekend.
1: And another new coach, uh, Roshan Russell, former player there. You know, I think these are two schools – St. Rita and Julia West, you know, they had the players and their programs. And things have just kind of stagnated and went wrong. And it looks like these, they both hired former players, you know, young guys. And early on, their returns are good. Uh, Mike Clark, uh, you know, writing for the Sun-Times again, I had scheduled him to go to the Riverside Brookfield final on Saturday, regardless of who was in there. I don't think if I had three guesses, I would have guessed it was going to be St. Rita against Morton. Uh, so that shows how much I know. Right. Uh, a freshman uh, came off the bench and scored 14 points in that title game. Caden Space is his name. I believe there's three freshmen that St. Rita is pretty high on on varsity, but that's the first name to uh, really, really show how big is Caden Space. And I guess Morton isn't a team we wanted to talk about this, but we should give Morton some credit. We did not know much about them. I didn't know much about them headed into the year. Uh, Kendall Nichols scored 27 in the title game. You can read all about that on the site, but Morton also had a nice start.
0: A team that we wouldn't usually place in a surprise category: uh, Proviso East. Obviously, they're a you know a perennial power who, not quite as strong uh, of late this year. The expectations have, are really low, even though they do have some. Uh, they had some players back, you know, Michael Osborne and Terrence Thomas and Tim Shorts are, are a few guys that returned, but they went four and zero. Won their Thanksgiving tournament, and I don't know. I, I I did. I saw Proviso East a lot this summer. I walked away saying, "eh." So we'll see. You know, how this you know this is a jump start for them into a complete surprise season, or if it's just a surprise start.
1: Yeah, you know, Proviso East is a school. They came on late last year. Uh, I think they're the most NBA players in state history. So definitely not a not a no one. We all know about Proviso East. It'll be interesting to see how that season comes along for them. I heard good things about Proviso West actually this week too, so we can keep an eye on them. Next up, two. Well, was Plainfield Central in your top 85, Joe? I think they might have been low.
0: They were. They were low. They were okay. in a, both. Both these last two teams were in the top 85, but, um, but yeah, I mean they're Plainfield Central. Brandon uh, Shoemaker. <laughs> yeah a I. Score? Pretty yeah exciting. and they got it'd be interesting I mean Tavare Johnson and, and Javari Johnson uh you know two senior guards and those three guys were all back from last year so and they came on towards the end of the year played their best basketball at the end of the year uh those are three you know those are three guys that are gonna be double figure scorers all year Brandon Shoemaker uh and then Tavari and Javari Johnson so Blainfield Central off to a quick start and and that leads into another team. Wait, wait, hold
1: on, I got, a, I got a Plainfield Central note. Oh. Are you ready? If, if Those who read the Twitter previews will know, but listen to this, and I, I've never heard of this before. They have two sets of twins uh, on Plainfield Central. Tavari and Javari Johnson, and Mackay and Malik Lundford. So, how about hmm. that? Also, has there ever been a good Plainfield Central team?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh... That team, uh, who was the guard? They went to a sectional final. Played it. I think they lost to West Aurora. Sectional
1: final. Wow, I would not have guessed that.
0: Maybe I might pushed it. I might be a semi.
1: That seems bold to me. <laughs> I was gonna. Uh, uh,
0: Ryan Sharp.
1: Oh, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, guard. Um, but I yeah, it's just you know.
1: This is a school without much. You know, they might have had a chance if Plainfield didn't build so many high schools right away.
0: Yeah. That's, um, there's there's four of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right now. Now, they've never even – no, never gone – they've won two regionals.
0: <laughs> what what was the last year? four.
1: Dave oof. Stevens. Yeah, they were 25-3. Um,
0: God, that was that long ago.
1: And the other one what? was in 1986. So, I mean, we're talking about – no offense, maybe, but This is like bottom of the barrel, you know, teams. So this could be
0: so much for Mike's positive uh Thanksgiving <laughs> talk.
1: Yeah, I, I thought yeah, Dave. Stevens bottom was, of the barrel. Dave Stevens was kind of building something there. I think he then he took a AD job somewhere else, um and since then, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. This is not a powerhouse by any means. So a four and start for Plainfield Central is a big deal. Anyway. Staying in the
0: same conference, another surprise. A lot of uh, Southwest Prairie talk. Oswego. Oswego off to a 4-0 start. You know, Oswego East was talked about more. I ranked them higher. Uh, you know, they, they're they battling some injuries now. Oswego East, uh, the Schultz kid has been hurt and won't be back for a little while. So, but Jack Cahoon is a, a sharp shooting guard. Connor McCann's a big body, 6'8", 6'9" uh but Kobe Adams I did I see all Swigel I did see some time at, ugh, I can't speak I did spend some time at that tournament and Kobe Adams jumped out he's he's a senior guard who could be one of the breakout players um out, out in in that Southwest Prairie conference so you know Naperville North is in that Donald's Grove South uh, West Aurora so they 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 went 4-0 and and uh beat Naperville North in the final
1: yeah that that's uh I feel like you know Joe's an Oswego guy, and I'm always asking him how Oswego is, and he's always downplaying it to me. And then I go watch them, and I kind of like them. <laughs> That's my general.
0: Yeah, Oswego. no, I, you know Oswego East last year, obviously, you know Ray J. Dennis and yeah. a lot of high expectations and ranking, and they did get to a sectional. And you know Oswego, uh, it, that, that league is going to be kind of fun to watch. Now there's two divisions now. Uh you know, and Oswego is gonna be I can't remember where I had him ranked, fifty something, but um you know Oswego East, Oswego, Plainfield Central, and Juliet West, I think between the two divisions, I think those are the four teams that kind of stand out. We'll see where Romeoville fits in. West Roar's off to a slow start. Uh but it'll be a pretty wide open league.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Destin Whitaker didn't play in one of those Romeoville losses. I meant to make a note of that, and I'm not sure why. But anyway, our other um, surprise is a team who, you know, this is a program that had been pretty solid for a long time. And I was just checking now, you know, I I have a book where I take 80 teams to start the year to, to track their results. And Lions didn't make the cut this year, which might be the first time. They just hadn't been... Just hadn't made the cut really recently, but here we go, three and zero, and the margin of victory for their wins were pretty impressive this week. Uh, gonna be a factor in the West Suburban Silver, probably.
0: Another Nego, Grant, six-two uh, senior. Uh, you know he's double-figure scorer last year, so uh, it, it. They only had, you know, about two starters, about fifteen points per game, but back between those two starters, so it was you know, it was a little difficult to kind of gaze just how good they would be this year.
1: And the final storyline from Thanksgiving week, the South suburbs are what we thought they would be so far. It's just a week. But if you look at Oak Lawn, who I shoved in the rankings there, they lived up to it so far. Oak Forest had a nice start, even though their schedule was a bit iffy. Um, we saw with the Blooms and the Marions and yeah, had a team like Rich East played pretty well and it was two and two. The, the depth is there. The South suburbs are going to be at Thornton. They're, they're great start. They knocked off Bolingbrook, uh, the South suburbs delivered in week one.
0: And Thornton beaten Bolingbrook the way they beat them. You know, uh, that, you know, that's eye opening. Also, some of the teams that we knew were good, I think could be better than I thought they'd be, you know, bloom more than looked the part. Which you know they're number one, but <laughs> you can't get any higher. But they did look the part and look like they could be that that team all year. Holman Flossmore to me is a better team than you know. I had them ranked. You had them ranked, but I think they could be even better uh, than I than I anticipated. So uh, you know, I, I just think we have. I think we've even had some in the past. Some people even even asked, "Hey," especially me. Why aren't you talking more about South Suburbs? And there's no reason not to talk about them this year because they it's loaded and it's going to be a uh, – you know, Hillcrest is another one to watch. Up and down, 3A, 4A in the South Suburbs is going to be pretty fun all winter long.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. All right, that'll wrap up our uh, regular planned features. Let's take a look at the week ahead. As Joe and I talk now, I, oh, yeah, as we speak, Young and Farragut are playing. So you can read about that on the website. You hardly you will have uh, if you heard listen to this now. Tomorrow, Tuesday night, later tonight when you're listening to this, we, Lindblom is at Simeon. It's Simeon's season opener. I'm hoping to have a little Simeon preview for you on the website on Tuesday. You can check that out. Lindblom is a team a lot of people are going to be watching this year. Big game t- on Tuesday is Morgan Park at Bogan. A test for kankakee bloom is uh i get i'm sorry kankakee is going to bloom for that one and then we got Niqua valley morton to uh, see if morton can keep up the hot start on wednesday loyola is at leo and then the kind of the big one on wednesday farragut at Orr. A little early test for both of those teams we'll see what Orr has and then oak forest rich east uh, Oak Forest is four and zero as we speak, but Rich East was off to a nice start. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on in that game. It's an early 4:30 start at Rich East. They play early there. Thursday, we've got Curie at Lindblom. Big week for Lindblom. Let's <laughs> on and Curie on tap.
0: It's a new world for Lindblom.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a big week. And then I think I'm going to actually be at Hyde Park Corliss. Hyde Park's got some players. I did not get a chance to really see them last year. They were playing, I think, twice while I was writing. And Corliss, you know, we never know until we're in the gym what they've got. And, I'm, and instead of waiting until the end of the year, which I have the last two years, I'm going early this year to see what Corliss has. Friday, Niles North Deerfield kind of a fun showdown huntley which i believe is four and oh as well um is at Cary grove Cary grove did not make it through the week unscathed and fell out of the super 25 the always ralph north lawndale at marshall then a showdown of two preseason ranked teams westinghouse at lincoln park that is going to be a barn burner that's at five if you were on the north side i would do whatever i could to be in that gym for westinghouse at lincoln park at five then Hillcrest Oak Lawn. Will this be the year where Hillcrest loses conference supremacy? That's going to be a huge game for that. Tinley Park at Richards. We did not mention A.J. Casey and Tinley Park. I'm excited to get a look at them eventually. A.J. Casey put up some monster numbers to start this week. Uh, Hinsdale South at Morton. Hinsdale South is off to a 4-0 start. Lions undefeated we talked about there at York. York is the team that knocked off Cary Grove, so York... He's gonna be back on our radar again. I don't think anybody is surprised. And then the the big event on Friday night is the Chicago Elite Classic. It opens with Lane Nutrier, then Evanston at Notre Dame, and then Fenwick at Oak Park. Uh, I'm gonna slow down a second here. And Joe, what do we think of Evanston at Notre Dame? Is it uh, sorry the Louis Lesman Bowl?
0: <laughs> I, I, I that's the game I find most intriguing of the two days. And there's two ranked teams, two top ten teams. With a little bit of drama, some little spice to it, with the transfer of uh, Lesman from Evanston to Notre Dame, so a lot of Division One talent. Uh, that's that's a great matchup.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. I'm uh, fingers crossed. I'm gonna get that thing in the newspaper uh, Saturday. There also Chicago Elite Classic, We'll get to that in a second. But there is another fun game. Stevenson is at Westinghouse. That's a uh, north, uh, far north suburban team coming to the west side to play at Westinghouse. That's at six o'clock. That is a really fun game. I would kind of really like to be there, um, but I don't think I will. It'd
0: just be cool to see Stevenson, at, you know, at a public league gym, and uh, you know, I, I I love those types of matchups. Yeah. You know, when Holman Flossmore came to Simeon, I believe uh, that was cool. It's just uh, and I'd like to see city teams go to the suburbs.
1: Yeah, that's a really fun game. Charlie um, Classic is Kenwood against Lincoln Park at two. And then uh, Bloom, Simeon, Young, and Morgan Park all play out-of-state teams. The only one I bothered to write down was Morgan Park at, against <laughs> Vashon because I like watching the um, kid play. Uh, who's that Fashan kid?
0: Last year, he's gone. McKinney?
1: No, the other kid. Fletcher.
0: Cameron Fletcher.
1: Yeah, he was a beast. I mean, I, I loved McKinney, but I thought Fletcher was yeah. a monster last year, too. I, I loved him. Um, Heading to Kentucky. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame Earth. that. Yeah, he's Kentucky, yeah. Yeah. Because when I loved him, he wasn't getting that kind of love. And I guess he continued to play great last season. Um, anybody else we should look in at that? Do we care about any of these other teams they're playing?
0: <laughs> you and I are so anti out of state uh, that. I mean, I give me the teams again.
1: I don't know. I didn't write them down.
0: So <laughs> a hard preview.
1: Oh, there's a St. Francis. The, Simeon, I think is playing the team. They would have, they, the Phillips lost to St. Francis in Baltimore, maybe a pace, Georgia. That's all I got.
0: Yeah. I mean, our young's playing Duncanville, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Duncanville is, you know, uh, out of Texas. They won a Texas state championship. I know last year or so, uh, it's, a, it's just a, one of the premier programs and they've got a player ranked, you know, top 40 players in the country's name is Micah Peavy. I know at Duncanville, um, but uh, I don't know a whole lot about St. Francis. I, I just know they were the Baltimore Catholic league tournament champs, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular season champs last year, they won like 36 or 37 games. So I mean, obviously it's a, and I don't know anything about Pace Academy. Uh,
1: the games are at Wind Trust, which worked out. I thought it was. I didn't hear many complaints last year from anybody, uh, media, fan, team, or otherwise about Wind Trust. I think it went really well there last year. Uh, it was a pretty pleasant event. So uh, it's back. There.
0: I, we, I, w- I just wish we had one more in state showdown matchup.
1: How about Bloom Young?
0: Or Bloom Morgan Park? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun last time. I'll take either one, yeah. Uh, But anyway, um, thanks for listening, everybody. The season is in full swing. We will be here every Tuesday. Have a good week.